Welcome to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. We are so thankful that you are listening in. The Neighborhood Church is all about helping people find and follow Jesus. We hope that through these podcasts you are encouraged, that you're inspired, and that you're provided with practical wisdom on how to find and follow Jesus. We hope that you enjoy today's podcast. Well, I've been excited about having Mark Hazard with us for a long, long time. It has taken a little while for us to see the dream fulfilled, but you are here, Mark, and you're serving us well. Appreciate you so much taking time out of your schedule to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, your ministry journey. and Yeah, well, Pastor John, first of all, thank you uh, for the privilege of uh, being here. We, too, um, have looked forward to this for a long time. Val would uh, love to be here as well, but she's back in uh, Ontario getting ready for a move that she and I are uh, involved in there. So I was born and raised in southwestern Ontario on a, uh, well, for you folks, it would be a very small farm. Uh, And uh, it was... uh, just great to be raised on the farm, actually. So many things you learn on the farm. Come from a large family, actually. I have five brothers and six sisters. And uh, apparently the, there were cold nights back in those days, Pastor, and so <laughs> kids kept coming or something. Well, we won't go there, but anyhow, yeah, thank, yeah. thank you for sharing that I think that we with just us. did. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, a born and raised on, on the farm, but... Uh, and and uh, my parents, uh, people of faith, you know, they raised us in, in a church, a much smaller church than your church here. Um, and, and I learned about the importance of serving God and, and the presence of God. But, you know, um, seeing it in my parents and even seeing it in our pastors in our church, that was all good, but that wasn't good enough for me. I needed to know for myself that God was real and I was baptized like Tammy uh, was I was baptized uh, when I was uh, uh, I don't know 10 years old or uh, something Um, and and very sincere at the time but it was in my uh, mid to late teenage years that I really uh, got more serious with God and also knowing that he he had a a plan for my life my uh, my dad had the farm but he also had a grain elevators, and so we had an agribusiness in our family. And I had just always planned to go into my dad's business, but in high school, God turned my heart, and I felt uh, called to go to a Bible college in Ontario. So I uh, went there in Peterborough, met my wife there, Val, just a great lady. We've been married now for 41 years. We have three kids and seven grandkids. Yeah. Love them. Some of them may be online this morning uh, watching. And uh, so thankful for that. And uh, after Bible college, uh, felt really directed to go into pastoral ministry. So we joined uh, the staff of a church. We were invited to join the staff of a church in, um, in Petrolia, Ontario, a beautiful little farming community there. And we were there for almost six years and then moved to Huntsville, about two hours north of Toronto in the beautiful Muskokas, if you know that area at all. We pastored there for six years, and then uh, a few years we pastored in Barrie, which is about 45 minutes north of Toronto, and most recently we pastored for almost 23 years at uh, Parkwood Church in uh, Windsor, Ontario. Beautiful, beautiful. 
and then your life took a change in direction, and uh, Mark now serves as the regional director for uh, the Latin Americas and the Caribbean, uh, giving oversight to the global workers, missionaries of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada in that area. That's a little different than pastoring. Why, why did you say yes to a challenge like that? Yeah, well, that's a great question. Sometimes I wonder why I said yes to that. But <laughs> deep in my heart, ultimately, I felt that. Val and I felt this is what God uh, wanted us to do. Missions has always been very close to my heart. First of all, as I said, raised on the farm. And uh, my dad is a farmer and a businessman, but also very involved in our local church. And Pastor, he had a passion for missions. He and my mom traveled many times uh, for months at a time to various countries in the world to serve in, in missions. And so, and, and plus, as a kid growing up, often when missionaries would visit our church, they would come to our house after church and have, so I would hear the stories and they just took root in my heart. And then as a pastor, uh, we loved having missionaries visit our church and, uh, and we supported our churches that we pastored. We supported many missionaries over the years. And Val and I, over the years, and Val and I traveled uh, to several countries, uh, speaking and uh, sharing in uh, in missions. And it just continued to grow through all of our years of pastoring. And then when Murray Cornelius, who you know so well, our international missions director, called and asked if we would consider leaving pastoring and go into missions, it seemed right. But ultimately, what it comes down to is the call of God on all of our lives. Yeah. Uh, Pastor, there's a general call. as all, Like every one of us is invited into relationship. I, I, again, just celebrate with Tammy this morning and, and the steps of faith that she has taken and continues to take. Well, every one of us, God calls us into relationship with him. But then when we, when we give our... our you see, what, what Tammy did, we watched this morning... A death. Somebody died this morning. Now, we know that it actually happened before that, and water baptism is a, is a symbolic but a powerful act of what's already happened. But when we give our lives to Jesus, we die. Like, we die, and we're born again to new life in Christ. So when we die, that means it's no longer what? I want for my life. It's whatever God wants. So God asked us to, asked me to not go in my dad's business, but to go to Bible college and then into pastoring and then into this. What it comes right down to is what God asks us to do. The answer has to be yes. Yeah. But, but there's a great verse in the middle of all that too yeah, so, that we so, can get yeah, to. So take us to the biblical foundation yeah. for, for because, because as Christians, we're, we're deeply rooted in God's word. We, uh, we, when we feel God's calling us to do something, we've got to make sure it lines up with the word. So what's the word of God, the Bible, say about all of this? Yeah, and that's, that's really, because this, this is the rule book. I, and it's not just about rules. It, in fact, it's way more about rules. It's about relationship. But this is the, the guideline for life. So I, actually, Pastor, my mom died about three and a half years ago. <clears throat> and we, she, uh, she was a quite elderly and in her last few months, she was quite sick. So we knew unless there was a miracle of God, she was going to go. So especially in her last few weeks, we spent as much time with her as we could because we want, oftentimes when people are about to transition, 
they'll share some of their most important things. And mom talked to us about some really important things. I'm so thankful for that time. So Jesus now is preparing to transition. He came to earth. John the Baptist said, there he is, the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. He gave his life on Calvary so that we can be free, freedom on the inside that uh, the team led us in this morning. We're born again by the Spirit of God. And, 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 but he wants us to, uh, to continue to, to grow in that in, in a wonderful way. So Jesus now, he died, gave his life, the resurrection, he appeared to many people, and he's just about to ascend, church family, here and online. He's just about to ascend, and he pulled in his disciples and said, okay, you guys, I'm going. I want you to go to Jerusalem, be endued with the power of the Holy Spirit, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the world. So Jesus really laid into the heart of the disciples and the early church this, this directive to missions. So if we're born again by the Spirit of God, all of us are involved in mission, or we should be yeah. in some way, because yeah. that's what Jesus told us. So, so we, we get that foundation in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, and then we see the disciples' response to that. The book of Acts is a great story. It's a great story of how a group really turned the world upside down. So so just why don't you take me for a journey, take us for a journey right now through the book of Acts and and highlight some things you think were the keys to the reason uh, the church made the impact it did. And while you're doing that, I'm going to get the lovely, amazing, spectacular first lady of the house to bring me my Bible so I can follow along with you. So Excellent. Yeah, that will be helpful. So <laughs> Here comes your Bible. Here comes my Pastor wife Donna, and my Bible. Bless you. You're, you're going to take the long route. Wave at the camera as you do that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Pastor, you're asking, Thank you. uh, you're asking a, a, a great question. And there's so many things, as you well know, that we could look at from the book of Acts. But I want to mention just a couple this morning. First of all, they prayed and they fasted. I love Acts chapter 13. Among the prophets and teachers of the church of Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manian, and Saul. And one day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So the first thing, we see this mission passion um, surfaced even in their prayer meetings. They were praying and fasting. We don't know all the reasons they were praying and fasting. And it's interesting, neighborhood church family, oftentimes... When we're in prayer, and, and by the way, I noticed online, you guys are launching into a prayer and fasting season. So, no wonder Tomorrow. You, tomorrow. No wonder you ate so much last night when we were out for dinner. Um, hey, is, are there any secrets in your life? No, absolutely none. <laughs> but one of the things about this prayer meeting that's so awesome, and, and it's great, as we, as we know, 
we can come to the Lord. He invites us to come and bring our burdens. We, we come, we ask him. We need salvation, healing, grace, strength, restoration, and merit. Like, I'm thankful we serve a God who cares about every detail. But on this, in this prayer meeting, this prayer and fasting time, seem to focus not so much on what God could do for them, but on what they could do for God. That was the burden that surfaced in that prayer meeting. And he said, he said, set apart Barnabas and Saul to this special work. And what it was, was the work of, of missions. And Saul, of course, became the great apostle, Paul. Yeah, so we're going to, as a church, begin 10 days of prayer and fasting tomorrow. Uh, I'll talk about more about this at the end of the service, but one of the things the Lord spoke to me about in, in this call to prayer and fasting is the spiritual responsibility the church has in this, uh, in this COVID season. Mm -hmm. I, I fear that many of us have just responded too bad, so sad, COVID's here. But biblically, and Second Chronicles 13 is so clear on this, uh, when the world is going through times of famine and pestilence and difficulties, uh, God's church, God's people are supposed to rise up and do some spiritual work in the middle of it. And friends, uh, we need to take spiritual leadership here uh, because this is more than just physical illness that's affecting the world. It's, it's deeper and it's bigger than that. So we're going to take time and other things we're concerned about to fast and pray. So uh, the early church is fasting and praying. Yeah, and how interesting, Pastor. And this was in my notes long before I found it on your website. It's mm. interesting how the Holy Spirit does that. So number one, they prayed and they fasted. Number two, they sent and they went. If you look at verse 3, of Acts 13. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them, being Barnabas and Saul, and sent them on their way. And then verse 4, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went. So sent and went, sent and, and went. Beautiful. No, yeah. exactly. It, it's so, so... And, and let me say this, Pastor. As you guys are in this time of prayer and fasting for very pointed things that are so important, it just may be that God is going to lay his hands on people in this room and send you to do things that you did not anticipate. Because you never know who's going to, God is going to send and to where. By the way, so glad this morning to have my good friends Rick and Cheryl Ashton with us. They're uh, originally from this area, and then they were uh, away down in southern uh, Saskatchewan in the Regina area, and now they're uh, back in this area. Uh, both of them, uh, early retirees, Rick from the government and Cheryl from uh, teaching at the university level, very gifted people. But it's interesting, in this season of life, when many people look at retirement, uh, oh, I don't have anything to do. They have given their lives increasingly to missions. And now, as Pastor said, we serve in Latin America, Caribbean, and we have kind of a, a team, a board that kind of serves with me. Right on that board, speaking into the strategic future, 
is Rick Ashton. These wonderful, wonderful Thank you. people. Thank you. So, Rick and Cheryl, would you just stand and, and uh, turn around, wave at uh, these wonderful folks? There they are, Rick and Cheryl Ashton. Yeah. Great, uh, as I said, great friends and co-workers. And here they are. So they could be just kicking up the runners. Take it. But God's saying, no, I want to move you to a whole new level of mission and ministry engagement. It could be any of you. If you are born again by the Spirit of God, you are a candidate for God to call you and ask you to do anything. And when he does, the answer needs to be yes. So they fasted, they sent, and they went. Yeah. Can you find a, a third thing in the book of Acts that happened? And we'll try to get from the start to the end in about 15 minutes. Yeah, so. well, uh, was that a subtle message was, for me? No, it wasn't subtle. I <laughs> 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 oh, love your pastor. He's so honest. Okay, so the third thing that I want to talk to of the many things that we could talk about is that they lived pastor with such generous hearts. Yeah. They, they, okay, so probably the verse we know best, most of us, in all of the Bible is John 3.16. So I'm going to start it, and I want you to fill in just one word. So listen closely. For God so loved the world that he gave. That's it right there. He gave. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the beautiful relationship that he's, but it's built in the giving nature of God. And if we're going to be like the God who has saved us, we need to be people who, who are givers with joy and with, oh, and all through scripture we see that. By the way, God gave his first, his only, begotten son. He gave his first. He gave his best. He gave us only. You know what's sad? All my years of life, I bump into too many Christians who are, be, they give begrudgingly, whether it's their money, their time, whatever. God is an extravagant giver, and he calls us to do that. But of course, that's all through the Bible, right? So Proverbs 11, 24, 25, Solomon, richest man in the world, knows a little bit about money, and he said, it's interesting how it works. Some people uh, will give a lot away, and they seem to somehow get blessed in that. Yeah. Other people try to keep more than they should and end up not having as much as you would think. And then he says, the generous soul will be blessed. Yeah. And then John the Baptist picks it up. Of course, John the Baptist is... A this is great. I, you know, I've read that story so many times, I never noticed this. So this is beautiful. Well, actually, you know what? You might even get saved today, Pastor. It's, <laughs> it's wonderful that I'm here as the guest speaker. Like, things are going to change in this church. Imagine when your pastor gets saved. Okay. Okay, you've got about two minutes left now. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that 15 minutes shrunk fast. Okay, so here's the deal. John the Baptist now, in the early chapters of the New Testament, he's sent as the forerunner for Christ. So Christmas is coming, so Jesus is coming, so now we're in the age of John the Baptist. John's preaching in the wilderness, eating bugs, dressed in all sorts of stuff. People are coming out in hordes to hear him 
preach. And these religious people come out to hear what John's going to preach. And he turned right to them. And he said, you people are snakes. Now, that's not really a good church growth sermon. You know what I mean? The snake sermon. But that's what he preached. Because they were looking for this legal, religious type thing. And he goes, no, I'm calling you to something. I'm calling you to a life of repentance. I'm calling you to, to see God so radically. And, and they were so convicted, uh, church family. And they said, well, John, what do you want us to do? Now, I thought John would have said, repent. That was his sermon. But that's not what he said, Pastor. He said, if you've got two coats, give one away. Yeah. Wow. The very foundations, church family, is a foundation of generosity. And you don't give to get saved. You can't pay for the gift but you give because God's touched us with such abundance. Okay, so we're down to one minute. So, so then Jesus is, is, is teaching the Sermon on the Mount, which was much more than 15 minutes. And he talked about these many things. And one of the things, one of the things that Jesus said, you cannot serve God and money. Yeah. He could have talked about so many things, Pastor. He said, you can't serve God on money. And then he said, where your treasure is, your heart will follow it there. Generosity. And then Paul picks it up in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm not sure if you know where 2 Corinthians is in your Bible there, Pastor. But it, when, if you when, can I, go when, to I, when I get saved, I'll learn these things. <laughs> <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Listen Listen to this. Read, uh, let's say, the first seven verses. And I'll try not to interrupt you, but I may anyway. Okay, doke. Uh, so 2 Corinthians 8, beginning at verse number 1. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction... Their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. In a great ordeal, their deep poverty overflowed in liberality. So there was big trouble. Sorry to interrupt you, but not sorry enough not to. But think about that. There's great problems in, in that area of Macedonia. Does that sound like COVID to you? Well, it certainly sounds like trouble. A lot of trouble. A yeah. lot of trouble. So go for, on. For, for I testify, verse 3, that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging. They were, they were what? Beyond, beg, their own, beyond their own accord. What was the B word? Begging us. Begging us. Get that. They were, they were saying to Paul, Please, please let us give more money. Now, I've been pastoring in next year, 45 years, and I have never had anybody, after I preached on giving, come and beg me for more opportunity to give. Yeah. This, this is quite phenomenal. It really is. 
Do you want me to keep reading? Keep going. Okay, begging us with uh, much urging for the favor of participation, begging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this, not, this was not what we had expected. But they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. Yeah. For just as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance, knowledge and all earnestness, and in the love we inspired in you, see that you abound in this gracious work also. Absolutely. And pastor, the word abound there means to excel, hmm. to be excellent. So church family, what Paul is doing, and here's a great sermon series for you, is, is this, once you get saved, of course, it's, it, Paul identifies six areas that they're called to, like it's like a spiritual checkup. Yep. Every now and again, and at your age, you should go to the doctor and get a checkup. By the way, pastor turned 65 this week, or was it 75? <laughs> 65, 75? He had a big birthday this week that ends in five. How good is that? So as we get, you know, all of us, you go for a medical once in a while. You get a health checkup. They check your, your blood pressure and your blood sugar and your weight and all of this stuff. Well, Paul is giving us a spiritual checkup there. Yep. He says, excel in faith, excel in your speech, your words, very powerful. Excel in love, excel in all of these areas. And excel in this gift also, which is giving. Flip over to chapter 9, verses 6, and, uh, six 7, and 8. Uh, so 2 Corinthians 9, 6, 7, and 8. Uh, follow me along on your tablets or paper copies. Uh, look it up even online, if you would. Now, this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God's able to make all grace abound to you, said the, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Powerful. So in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, and we've just touched a few of the highlight passages, there's some really important things. Let's just outline. First of all, three reasons you shouldn't give. Number one, you shouldn't give because you have to give. It shouldn't be, oh, giving. All the church wants is my money. Are you kidding? I, this, uh, uh, Paul says, God loves a cheerful giver. And I love what you read there, Pastor, about the churches in Macedonia. So they're in a lot of trouble. They're having financial issues. And what they responded with was great um, generosity and great joy. I like that joy piece. They gave joyfully. Secondly, you shouldn't give because God needs your money. By the way, has anybody sent a check off to Bill Gates recently just to help him out? You know, you feel for Bill. He's only a multi-billionaire. No, you haven't sent any money to Bill Gates. He doesn't need our money. Are you kidding? Church, God doesn't need your money. 
We're talking about God here. God owns the cattle, the Bible says, on a thousand hills. Yep. Not a thousand cattle on the hills. They got, you, come on, some of your front, you know, that's a lot of beef, man. Where's the beef? God's got it on a thousand hills. So we don't give because God needs our money. He, but he allows us. Think about this. He calls us into partnership with him. We don't have to give our money. We get to give our money. So we don't, we don't give because we have to. We don't give because God needs our money. And thirdly, and this is really important because some people misunderstand these, these texts, yeah. we don't give to get. There's some really bad teaching out there these days that you give X number of dollars and God's going to give you all this money for you to buy a bigger car and this and that and the other thing and buy a new pair of browns, you know, whatever. No, we are, he blesses us not, but so that we can continue to be a blessing. And, and I like what you read there in chapter 9, verse 8, that God blesses our giving so that we can abundantly give on every occasion. We, we invest in the kingdom. God blesses that yeah. so that we can continue to grow in that area of giving. So why should we give then? Three reasons not to give. Three reasons to give. Number one, because it's biblical. Yeah. That's it. And, and this is it. As you said a few minutes ago, Pastor, this is, th th these are the guidelines for life. And three areas that I believe we're called to uh, uh, give in, in, as Christ followers. Number one, our tithes. As 10% goes to your, your home church. Some people say, ah, that's the Old Testament. Well, Jesus, I think, affirmed it in Matthew 23, 23. And the other thing in the Sermon on the Mount that I made reference to, Jesus talked about a number of things in the Old. Like, for instance, he talked about, you shall not murder. But now, in this new kingdom, I tell you, you watch your anger. In the Old Testament, you shall not commit adultery. But I'm telling you, if you even look at a woman, with lust in your heart. Jesus didn't lower it. He increased it. He ramped it up to this life uh, relationship in this awesome kingdom. So whatever's laid out in the Old Testament, we're called to with joy and with gratitude to continue to grow in generosity. So tithes, offerings is money above our tithes for kingdom advancement purposes. And alms is when one person helps another. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, you don't let your right hand know what your left hand is, is doing. It's done privately, confidential. Tithes, offering. Number one, we give because it's biblical. Because the word tells us to. Number two, we give because it's such an honor. Yeah. Like, think about this, Pastor. We get to do this. We, I, I know this is your missions focus. We get to partner with missions. And Val and I, we see the, the impact of your investment on the front lines, the lives that are being changed, the families, the marriages. It's awesome. It's not just money in a plate. It is lives being transformed. And we get to be a part of this. Like, what an honor. And thirdly, when we give with generosity, according to what we just read, it, it releases something in the spirit world. Will you read I, again? I, I love that point. In, in, in verse 6 of chapter 9, just read that again. And get this, church, this is so important. 
So I say this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So the content of Scripture, you have to understand it in the context. And what's the context here, Pastor? What is Paul talking about? Paul is talking about the Macedonian church, and, and he's talking about money. Exactly. Now, some of us conservative, Canadian, Pentecostal sorts, we go, oh, you know what? We've heard the extremes. We've heard these evangelists that have taken advantage of that. And I've heard it too. But what's happened? As a reaction, some of us have swung the pendulum so far the other way. In fact, there's a lot of Christians that ignore that verses in the Bible. But when we give with the right spirit, and, and with that generous, gracious, humble, God-honoring heart, it releases something in the supernatural that is unmistakable. And I could talk to you all day. One of the things, oh, I'm falling apart here. Goodness, if this continues to happen, I'll be like you. Um, <laughs> so, Pastor... I, I, oh, sorry, were you going to say something? No, I don't. I, I wanted to say something. <laughs> oh, I'm still falling apart. Okay, so in the three churches that Val and I had lead pastored, all of them had recently built a new building. There was significant debt for the size of the church, and there was some discouragement relating to the debt. Our first church was a smaller church. And it was tens of thousands. Our next church was a medium-sized church, and it was hundreds of thousands. Our last church was a little bit larger church, and it was millions of dollars of debt. I remember when the board, and you know these interviews, when they were asking me to be the lead pastor, I was on staff of the church at that, and one of the deacons in that meeting, one of the, the church leaders said, Mark, what, what are we going to do? with this massive debt. I said, we are going to honor God's word. We are going to continue to sow into the kingdom of God, and we're going to trust the results to him. We're going to believe 2 Corinthians 9, 6. And I don't have time to tell you the stories today, but in all three churches, Pastor, as our mission's giving as we invested in missions all over the world, as it increased, our general fund increased, and our debt went down. It was unbelievable. We burned the mortgage. Oh, praise God. We burned the mortgage in two of the churches. In Barry, we weren't there long enough. We were only there for just over three years. But a couple of years after I left, they had me back to burn the mortgage. I mean, because God's word is true. And... and you know, whether it's tens of thousands, hundreds, that's only decimals on a page. That's no challenge for, for God. And, and I have watched that supernatural sense, Pastor. And it isn't just true for, for church. It's true for individuals. There are people in this room that could tell stunning stories of how God has set them free in their finances because they put the principles of tithes, offerings, and alms first. It releases something in the supernatural. It certainly does. And uh, 
this is our missions emphasis time. Yeah, we, so good. We've come to the end of the year, getting close to the end of the year, the beginning of November. We were $40,000 behind in our missions budget. Mm. Uh, over the last two weekends, we're now down to $32,000. So, so you've given already. Uh, but the reality is uh, this is an opportunity for us to practice some extravagant generosity. Yeah, and, beautiful. And $32,000 really isn't that much money. We can blast through the ceiling very easily if we just allow God to speak to our hearts. And Pastor Don and I are going to do something extra for missions and, and just do our part to make sure that that goal gets, gets met. You see, I believe one of the calls on the church, on the neighborhood church, is a call to, to generosity mm -hmm. and being very concerned about others to the point where we're concerned about them more than even ourselves. And almost every year since I've been here, uh, we have given at least 20% of the money that comes into this church away. And I... And it probably won't happen under my leadership, but I would love to get to the time when 50% of the money that comes in here goes out to bless others. That's Friends, fantastic. there is something powerful that happens in a ministry, in a church, and in lives when we stop thinking about ourselves and we get concerned about being a blessing to others. So ah, here's so an opportunity for us to do something significant for missions. You people know how to give. You write checks, you give money, you go to the information center, you give online, you phone the church during the week with your credit card number. Uh, but let's all do what we're able to do. And maybe even a little beyond our ability. We've read about that. And, uh, and do what we can to see uh, our, our missions uh, goal met. You want to wrap up with anything here as, uh, as the worship band comes? or? You know, Pastor, wow, I love what God's doing in the house here at the neighborhood. I just had a sense in my heart coming here somehow that this was a solid, generous church, but that God wanted to continue to expand the vision of generosity and love your heart. You know, I didn't, I didn't mention it. I was thinking about it last night when I was laying in bed it's only 32,000. I like, like we can blast through that. I, and I was thinking, wouldn't it be great? And, and I know that not everybody could do this, but I'll bet you there's a lot of people in your church that could do this. I was thinking if 32 people gave $1,000, this thing would be gone in a blink. Yep. So you know what? Val doesn't know we're doing this, but she may be online. She's about to find out right now. We will be one of the 32,000. One of the 32 that will give. <laughs> 32,000 works 32, for me. We're going to give a dollar. <laughs> Listen, Pastor, if you're comfortable with that, and I didn't share this with you. It's just, I was thinking about it last night. Do you know what? I would love to be one of the 32. Val and I would love to be a part of the mission's vision of this church. Hey, will you and Donna do that? 
I knew you were going to ask that, but our house is a little different. So do I have permission, Pastor Donna? <laughs> she knows I'm joking. We'll do it. We'll do it. Absolutely. Yeah, sure, we'll do it. Sir, come on. You know what? And could it be... She'll have to go find a job, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> could it, wouldn't it be something if we could raise that 32000 in this, and then what comes in from the other, sir? I, you know, there's, ah, there's just something about the privilege of generosity. Yeah. Oh, I just absolutely yeah. love it. Oh, thank you, Mark. Oh, thank you. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Let thank you let you. Uh, you show your appreciation thank to you. this good brother thank today. Thank you, church family. We are so thankful that you've listened in to the Neighborhood Church podcast. If you have questions or comments about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you. Go to the podcast description and follow the link to get in touch with us. Everything we do would not be possible without your generosity. If you would like to give, check out that same link in the podcast description. If you have enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.